0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Life in the Dark, a podcast dedicated to the golden age of radio and Hollywood's classic era. This podcast is part of the Nomad in the Middle network. More information can be found at nomadinthemiddle.com.
1: The Anchor Hawking Glass Corporation brings you Crime Photographer. <laughs>
2: Hiya, Casey. Hiya, Ethelbert. Well, I see you got
3: the windows and mirrors all dolled up again for the holidays. Yeah,
2: the same guy comes every winter and paints them for us. Mm.
3: Like little Jack Frost.
2: Huh?
3: You remember, when you were a kid, they told you Jack Frost painted those ice flowers on the window.
2: Hey, that's a good one. I'll try it on Tony. Hey, Tony. Yeah. Who's the famous artist that paints on glass?
1: Oh, that's easy. Jack Frost. And, uh, speaking of glass... Everybody knows that Anchor Hawking is the most famous name in glass. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Tony Marvin. Every week at this time, the Anchor Hawking Glass Corporation of Lancaster, Ohio, and its more than 10,000 employees bring you another adventure of Casey Crime Photographer, a cameraman who covers the crime news of a great city. Written by Alonzo Dean Cole. Our adventure for tonight, The Life of the Party. One of the most interesting sections of our city is known as Whitaker Grange, with its winding streets and century old houses where artists have established a colony. The more successful live and work in a narrow, dead end alley called Gedney's Close. And in the late afternoon, a familiar, battered looking automobile pulls up near the entrance of Gedney's Close I
3: guess I've the... been park here, Annie. They don't let you drive into this alley. Well,
4: I prefer to walk the rest of the way, Casey. I love to look at these old houses.
3: Yeah, you do? Huh? Well, I got my camera and stuff. Come on, let's go. Okay. Higgins' studio is that big stone barn at the dead end there.
4: Mm-hmm. I'm going to get a big thrill out of seeing his studio and meeting him again. I think Andre Higgins is our greatest living sculptor. Well,
3: he was. He hasn't been producing top quality lately, though. The art critics say this new bronze group that you're going to interview him about is only run of the mill.
4: I know busy playing to really work, I guess.
3: Yeah. It's a sweet-scented crowd he plays around with, too. Well, I've
4: never met any of him except his model, Marcel. Certainly no bargain. Oh,
3: wait a minute. Abby. She's the only one who is a bargain. That gal's the most gorgeous brunette I've ever looked at. Really? Uh, well, I mean of her type, eh?
4: I don't know how a cultured, mature man like Andre Higgins can stand having her around, let alone be in love with her, as he apparently is.
3: Well, at least she's not dangerous, I can't say that for one of Andre's other pals. Who? Blister Hoagland.
4: He's a pal of Andre Higgins? We've
3: seen together a lot.
4: Oh, J.C., Blister Hoagland's suspected of a couple of murders. The cops have been trying to nail him for years. Uh-huh. How can Higgins associate with a man like that?
3: I don't know. He's a strange guy. Like all famous artists, he... Attracts parasites who live on reflected glory. He's either too weak or too good-natured to give him the brush off again. Yeah. Uh-oh. Hey, look at that guy. He just came out of Higgins' place. You know.
4: <laughs> he must be headed for a <laughs> costume party. Yeah, look <laughs> at the green
3: velvet pants on him.
4: <laughs> He's fantastic. And that bright yellow smock and a red beret. If he
3: goes outside of this deserted alley, a cop will pinch him for obstructing travel. <laughs> Annie!
4: What are you doing with that big knife?
3: <gasps> he stabbed himself, case? Annie. Quick, come on,
4: guy. He's falling to the sidewalk. Oh, I can see the knife handle sticking out of his chest. And his blood.
3: He drove that blade right into his heart.
4: Jesse, he. did he get
3: it? we got to get a doctor, quick.
4: and yeah, the police.
3: This guy came out of Higgins' place. Punch that doorbell, Annie, will you?
5: The door's open. Hello, Casey. It's
3: William. Andre, Andre, come in. I saw you two from my window, so I... What's happened here? This guy just committed suicide. We saw him do it. Good heavens. Well, who is he? Why did he come out He's of here? Bertrand Farland.
4: Art student. Student? Well, he looked at least 50 years old.
3: Well, I'm glad the poor devil can't hear you say that, Miss Williams. He liked women to think of him as uh, young. He was the life of every party he attended. That should be his epitaph. He was the life of the party. What more? Well, he's gone and there's nothing we can do to bring him back. Uh, Come inside and meet some friends of mine. We're having cocktails. Uh, What can I make for you, Miss Williams? Mr. Higgins! Wait a minute, Amber. You knew this guy. He just killed himself in front of your door. And it was most inconsiderate of him. Oh, I... I know you think I'm callous, but I'm a realist. (laughs) Well, now that I've spoken so frankly, how about a cocktail? We'll
4: skip it. Definitely.
3: Well, now, apparently I've shocked you. Ah, my guests are coming out.
4: Why are you staying outside so long, Andre? Yeah, what's the big idea? Andre, I want you to make me another drink. Oh, Casey. Hello, Marcel. Oh, mon Dieu. Why is Bert lying on the sidewalk?
3: He's committed suicide, Marcel.
4: Suicide?
3: A knife in his chest. He stabbed himself, Tom.
4: The poor sap did it because of Marcel, I suppose. Probably, Daisy. Well, I could not help it if he was in love with me and I did not want to make marriage with him. He knew my heart belonged to André. He should have. You tell the world your heart belongs to André. When André's around. How
6: oh, do you mean that last part,
4: Daisy?
3: Never mind. Miss uh, Williams, Katie, you uh, know Marcel, of course. Yes?
4: Yeah? Yes, then mine, know, Katie. And Miss Williams. Mm-hmm.
3: I uh, don't think you've met Mrs. Leland Carmichael, noted for her wealth, the five husbands she's divorced, and her vulgar display of diamonds.
4: <laughs> gals who can get husbands get 'em, Andre, and gals who can buy diamonds wear 'em. Glad to meet you, chum.
2: Call me Daisy.
3: And uh, this is Tom Thompson. He's a near artist and uh, a bad one. Candor can sometimes be more unpleasant than refreshing, Andre. Nice to know you, Miss Williams. Mr. Casey, thanks.
4: Now, let us all go inside and get a drink. Oh, wait
3: a minute. We'll have to do something about poor Bert, won't we?
4: Oh, that's father Lamley. Oh, I've never met such as callous, inhuman people in my life. Neither
3: have I. And Higgins, I never could figure you, but I kidded myself you were a right guy. Now, I see you're nothing but a louse. As for these characters you call your friends, why, get out of my way. I'm going into your joint and call the cops.
4: And I'm going with you. <laughs> what? what? Oh, they're laughing.
3: Yeah. Annie, look at the dead guy.
4: He's <laughs> getting up. the handle of that knife still sticking out? It's of- a gag.
2: <laughs> oh, now no. You fell for it, John.
3: <laughs> Miss Williams, Casey, meet the late corpse, Bert Fallon. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh, me, oh, me. <laughs> If you could have seen yourself, you thought I'd done a harikari. <laughs> the
3: old collapsible knife trick and a little redding to make it look better.
2: Yeah. <laughs> the
4: knife blade slipped into the handle when I hit myself. See? <laughs> We've well, been a fine pair of dope skates. Uh, you don't pay a thing. Bert <laughs>
3: cooked up the joke when I mentioned you were coming, and we watched for you. Why, uh hope you're not stall. Oh, no, anything but.
4: <laughs> we can take it. And you certainly handed it out. Yeah.
2: Oh, you'll get a laugh on somebody else before you leave here. I'll see to that.
3: (laughs) You can depend on Bert. He's quite a frank. uh, Yeah, I know a
2: million gags. (laughs) Our little Bert loves fun. (laughs) Well, why shouldn't I, Daisy? Fun never hurt anybody.
3: (laughs) That's a debatable question.
2: (laughs) What do you mean, Tom? Oh, do not talk
4: so much, Bert. Let's all go inside. Come on, I want a drink.
3: Uh, Let's go in, Casey, Miss
4: Williams.
3: (laughs) Oh, uh, close the door, Tom, and... uh, Keep the common people out.
4: Ooh, what a lovely studio you have, Mister Higgins. It's so big oh, you can you. lose yourself in this barn. Say, where's Blister? I, oh,
3: I'd forgotten oh, that. Yeah, here, ah! I, here I am.
4: Oh, he was sitting behind that statue.
3: Miss Williams, Casey, let me present Mister Hoagland. We already know Blister Hoagland. How'd you like the gag they pulled on you, Casey? Yeah. Pretty good, huh? Good enough. We fell for yeah, it. I know. What? I was watching from the window. Why didn't you come outside with the others? You'd have made the gag better. Just how? Well, if I'd seen you around, I'd have thought Bert Fallon's phony suicide was a murder. Why would you have thought that? You've done several jobs of killing, haven't you? Cops never proved it. They'll get the goods on you someday. Your luck will run out. I don't like this kind of talk. Listen Okay, Andre, I'm a good-natured guy. You never loses his temper. <laughs> Casey's sore because Bert's suicide gag made him look like a sap, and he's trying to needle me to get even. But I'm a good sport. (laughs) I can take things as they come and laugh. Oh,
6: oh! My foot! My foot's on fire! (laughs) The old hot foot gag,
2: Blister. (laughs) I snuck up and stuck a match in your shoe. uh, (laughs) I told you, Casey, you'd get a laugh on somebody else. you lovely little clown, (laughs) out! Let him go, Blister!
6: Let go of him, or
2: I'll here. Okay, Casey.
3: Sorry, everybody. <laughs> the joke's on me. Have a drink with me, Bert, old pal. Let's all have a drink.
4: Come on. I need hey, Andrew. Maybe one of my presents. Yeah. Listen, it would have killed that little man if you hadn't stopped him, Casey. Yeah. We really stepped into something yeah. when we came here today.
3: I'll say we did. <laughs>
4: To get out of here, Casey. Yeah, so would I, honey. I
3: mean, we came here for an interview, and until you get it, we're oh, going to stay here. I
4: simply haven't been able to pin Higgins down. He's all over the place. So is
3: everybody else.
4: How can a man like Higgins put up with such people? They have no talent, no intellect, nothing to recommend them.
3: Daisy, that big overstuffed gal, told me this was Dear Andre's inner circle. Oh,
4: Payson, huh? Casey, you think all those diamonds that Daisy wears are the real thing?
3: Nah, she told me they're imitations. All except the big headlight she wears on her finger. That's a lot of carrots of the real McCoy. She says she's superstitious. She always wears it because her first husband gave it to her for luck.
6: She's taking
4: yes. a big chance wearing anything valuable around a crook like Blister Holden. And I wouldn't trust that Marcel very far, either. <laughs> you don't like Marcel, do you? <laughs> I've never met such a phony. Look at her over there. Chewing gum like a chopping machine. And playing footy-footy with Thompson.
3: Seems to be a little double-timey going on with that young artist. She's been Higgins, gal, for a long time. Huh. Well, here comes Higgins. Well, what are you two doing there by yourself? Your party sort of wanted away from us, Andre. Well, people you. do scatter out in this big barn. Uh, come on to the barn. let me fill your glass. No, thanks. We're working
4: people. Uh, I gotta get that story from you, Mr. Higgins. I know you now,
3: you can pry me with questions over the yeah. next drink, Miss Williams.
4: Is that a promise?
2: Definite promise. Come on now. Well,
4: okay. Hi,
2: Daisy. I found him in the jungle and I'm bringing him back alive.
4: Good hunting, Michelle. Uh,
2: Marcel, Tom, uh, you gather around too.
4: Come to me. Andre wants us. The
2: master's voice. I'm not gonna get that interview, okay?
3: Not right
4: now. Blister!
2: Blister!
3: Huh? Uh, what do you want? I'm gathering the clan. Come to the bar. Huh.
2: Uh, I was grabbing a nap.
3: I'm gathering the clan. I'm
2: bringing in the sheep. Higgins <laughs> has gotten himself a snoop <laughs> so is Daisy. Look at her.
6: Now that we're all together. Shh, not, 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 quiet all of you. Please. Now that we're all together.
3: My dearest friend... We're
4: not all here. Where's Bert?
3: Oh, yeah, yeah. Now, where's Bert? Oh, hey, hey,
4: Bert! Andre, Andre, chérie, maybe he's asleep someplace. Do not wake him up. It is so peaceful here without. Oh,
2: now we need Bert, Marcel. He's always the life of the party. The party's better without his kind
3: of life. No unfunny comedy, no practical jokes. Tom, ah,
2: Bert's our
3: pal. Yeah, he may be your pal. No. <laughs> the
4: last gag he pulled handed me as well, lad. Your foot still feel hot, blister?
3: Yeah, that was very funny, Daisy. <laughs>
4: the way you took it, it was. Trying to kill the poor twerk. Now
2: lay off, will you?
4: Maybe I'd better. Knowing your reputation... Well, i
2: got to find Bert. Bert! Yeah. Where is he? Tommy. Tommy, while I'm looking,
4: you stick me by Okay, myself. Will somebody have a stick of chewing gum? Oh, I forgot. Nobody uses it but me. We sometimes get the benefit of it after you've used it. You shouldn't stick the wads of it on chairs. Ah, Still so my glass too, Tom. Here. Ow! What's the matter? My ring. My ring's gone. Your ring? You're my kidding. big diamond, the real one. Well, well,
3: you had it on me. You were talking to me, Jason. I know
4: it, Casey. I was talking to you and Bert about... Bert! He was holding my hand after you left. He flipped it off. Bert
3: wouldn't steal a ring. Well, of
4: course he wouldn't, Tom. It's another is of his unfunny jokes. Where is I run? Let me get my hands on him. Don't
2: that hand me a lad, Oh, shut up, Lister. What's Casey! Yes, Everyone,
7: what's
4: the
6: matter?
4: Come
2: here. What is, what is it?
4: What are
2: you doing? I've just found Bert.
3: Dead
4: dead. Dead. Is
3: this another gag? No. He's not breathing. I think he's been murdered.
1: Our story will continue in just a moment. Nothing is quite so comforting as a good hot cup of coffee, particularly the first thing in the morning. But that's the very time of day when everyone is in a hurry. Well, here's a way to enjoy delicious coffee with no fuss or bother of any kind and in a matter of moments. Simply take a cup, a spoon, and a glass jar of soluble coffee. Put a spoonful of coffee in a cup and add hot water and that's all there is to it. But make sure to buy your soluble coffee in a glass jar. Glass jars are easy to open. A quick turn of your wrist and the coffee is ready. And then, too, your spoon fits easily and conveniently into the wide top of the jar. No trouble in measuring. And last but not least, glass jars protect the flavor and freshness of soluble coffee perfectly against moisture or contamination of any kind. Now, most of the better packers of soluble coffee protect their products by using clean, sanitary Anchor Glass containers and Anchor caps, both products of Anchor Hawking. The most famous name in glass.
2: the line
3: here behind the statue uh this is the Casey. oh he's dead all right
4: a knife through his throat
3: In just the right spot and so he'd make no sound
4: but who could have killed him
3: it had to be someone here Marcel.
4: definitely you tried to kill him earlier this evening blister now, don't you point the finger at me daisy
3: you've been suspected of other killings now be careful tom you did it, please i didn't i swear i didn't i think the consul nailed it on you if all of you against me accused me maybe the will but I'm giving her no chance. I'm doing a land. You're not leaving. Here. Yes, I am. he got a
6: gun Casey. Keep away from
3: me, all of you. I'm not taking a rap for something I didn't do. I'm getting out of here. Anyone who tries to stop me gets a bullet. Oh, oh. Andre. Oh, Andre. You shot him. One has the right to shoot an escaping murderer. Luckily, I had a gun. Phone the police, Casey. Okay, Andre. Okay. The job of shooting you did. You caught Blister squarely between the eyes.
5: That's the complete story, Casey. I don't think I've left out anything, Logan. And what do you say, Miss Williams?
2: Oh, I can think of nothing that Casey hasn't told you, Captain.
5: No. Sergeant, have you finished searching those two bodies?
2: Just now, Captain. There's no diamond ring on the guy who was stabbed around Blister Hogland either.
5: I'll have the man do a detailed search of his studio for it.
2: Yes,
5: sir. You know, that ring may have no connection with... Fallon's stabbing, Casey? Look, Logan,
3: when a hunk of ice worth a good 15 grand is missed at about the same time that a guy suspected of taking it is found murdered... I
5: know. Easy, do you think Blister killed Bert?
3: Well, Logan, I did. I fell into line with everybody else who was accusing him because I wasn't thinking then. Well, now I... I don't know.
5: But you'll testify that Higgins was justified in shooting Blister?
3: I'll have to. The guy was a murder suspect, he. Threatened us with a gat, and he tried to escape.
4: I'd have shot him myself, if I'd had a gun.
3: Not as accurately as
6: Higgins
3: did. Yeah, it was good shooting.
4: Higgins told us he does a lot of pistol practice.
5: Yeah, he told me that when he showed me his permit for the gat he used. You say Higgins discovered Fallon's body.
4: But your police surgeon says Fallon was dead at least 15 minutes before the discovery was made. You can't think Higgins had anything to do with it. I'm simply
5: thinking, Miss Williams. Nobody recalls seeing anybody near the spot where Fallon was found? Well, we
3: were all scattered all over this barn of a place, Logan, moving around. You know what the Every, are like.
5: Everyone excepting yourselves has been drinking pretty heavily and was inclined to be quarrelsome. Marcel hadn't had much to drink.
4: Too busy crunching gum.
5: Higgins wasn't quarrelsome. And he was tight. Until he found
3: the body that sobered him up. Yeah, it naturally would.
4: The fat gal lost her ring. Do
3: had have a lot of dough? A couple of millions, Fallon told him. What about Thompson? Thompson's an art student. He goes in for... No, it's surrealism, that kind of stuff. Goes for that Marcel, babe. Yeah. Captain!
5: Captain Logan! Yes, Sergeant? We just found a ring. The diamond ring? There's
2: no diamond in it, sir. The stone's been pried, off. pried oh, out. Pried out? Let me see. Here.
3: Yeah. Strong's been forced apart. That's the setting that held Daisy's diamond, Logan. Uh-huh.
5: Now, bring the fat gal in here, Sergeant. Bring all the witnesses in here. Yes, sir. Well, this proves
3: that ring wasn't simply
2: lost. It
5: doesn't prove, but it certainly indicates. And
3: how, Logan. Look... Burke Fallon slipped the ring off Daisy's finger as a joke, but somebody saw him do it and got an idea. And that somebody killed the little guy, took the ring, pried out the $15,000 stone because it was easier to conceal, and he just sat tight. Then when Fallon's dead body was discovered, it was a cinch that Blister would be immediately suspected and accused of the murder. And if he'd gotten away with his run out, even for a short time... No one would believe that he hadn't stolen the diamond in addition to knifing Fowler.
5: Now, Higgins' gunshots spoil things for the real thief and killer.
3: Sure, because Blister was killed before he could leave this studio. And your search of his body proves he didn't have the diamond.
5: Now, if your theory is right, it eliminates eliminate Higgins and the fat girl. She had no reason to steal her own diamond.
4: It leaves only uh, Thompson and uh, Marcel. Uh, yeah. Casey, I think your theory is 100%.
5: Well, thanks, Emmy. All right, righty. Sergeant Start them in. Now, let's go over and meet him halfway. Now, you people sit down. Make yourselves comfortable. Well, thank you.
3: Uh, here's your pet share, myself.
4: Oh, thank you, Tom. Have you found my ring, Captain?
5: Uh, we haven't found your diamond, Mrs. Leland Carmichael. Oh, dear. And well, they will find
4: it, eh? Oh, I hope so, Andrew. You know it's my luck.
5: I'm going to ask a few personal questions, starting with you, Mr. Thompson. All right. Have you any money of your own?
3: That is personal. I can get it from other sources if you don't tell me. I'm an ardent. A bad one, many people think, which means I'm always broke. Thanks. Yeah. Nice. What's
5: your financial status, Marcel? Why,
4: like, I have only what I make as a model and what Mr. Higgins giving me besides.
5: What do you give her besides, Mr. Higgins? I am... I'm afraid I haven't been very generous with
4: Marcel. Oh, but you have, Cherie. One hundred dollars a month just for spending money. You
5: give you any diamonds?
4: No. I do not care for diamonds. <laughs> any woman who says that is a liar. Do not say I di- lied, David. Uh, pipe
5: down. Marcel Thompson. Huh? Which of you two has that stolen diamond? Stolen diamond?
4: Which one of us? Well,
5: won't do you any good. you hand it over or must we search the two of you?
4: Oh, I have never been so insulted. Search me immediately. I demand that you search me.
5: You seem very sure of yourself. Of course she's sure. Girls uh, wouldn't steal anything, Captain. Now we're going to see about that, Mr. Higgins. Sergeant, send for a matron to search this girl. Right,
2: Captain.
3: Say, Logan, maybe you can save yourself a lot of trouble. Huh? A quick way to hide a diamond would be to wrap it in a wad of chewing gum. Chewing gum? Yes. There's one on the edge of Marcel's favorite chair. Well, let's see.
4: Marcel is the only one here who chews that stuff. I put nothing inside my chewing gum.
3: Well, uh, someone put
5: something inside this wad. The a knife, Logan scrape the stuff off.
4: I didn't. I swear I didn't.
5: It's a diamond.
4: It's my diamond. I didn't. I didn't.
5: we'll go into that at headquarters, Marcel,
3: thoroughly. I'm taking you there now. Oh,
4: no,
6: do not let him Maudre. Help me. Wait.
3: I stole that diamond, Captain. You, Thompson? Yeah. I hid it where you found it. Now, let Marcel go. Whoa.
2: You think this Thompson's confession was just a noble act, huh, Casey? Oh, sure. Of course it was, Ethelbert. So is Lowe.
4: Well, so am I. Thompson's so crazy about that phony Marcel. He'd go to the chair to protect her.
2: Maybe they both done it together. You say the suspects was eliminated down to just them two? On
3: the basis of my theory. Huh? But I can't see her doing it cold bloodedly for no better motive than a diamond too hot to wear and too hot
2: to sell. Well, she could have had a double motive, Casey. You and Miss Williams say the dead guy was one of them practical jokers. Ain't you ever wanted to knock off one of them pests? Ethelbert has something there, Casey. Yeah.
3: Yeah, Maybe a lot. Excuse me, I'm going for a walk. I'll go with you. No, no, no. I want to be alone. Think.
8: (laughs)
6: in,
3: Casey. Thanks, Andre. Oh, I'm not uh, disturbing your work.
5: Well, I'm scarcely in the mood for work after what happened here last evening. Anyway, I've been away from the studio until
3: a few minutes ago. I went the to jail with Marcel. Oh, how is she today? Oh, she feels utterly friendless, even thinks I'm against her. Hmm. You're trying to help her. You, You believe she's innocent? Naturally. How does she feel about Thompson? The idiot's phony grandstand confession strengthened the circumstantial case against her. Uh, that was the net result of it. Mind if I sit down on Oh, couch? yes, yes, please do. Oh, uh are you paying me this uh unexpected but uh welcome visit as a newspaper man or as a friend, Casey? Just huh. as a This is a guy. Oh. Hey, Andre, uh what's your frank opinion of uh Mrs. Leland Carmichael, Daisy? Why, uh, all around, good fellow. Very uh, superstitious, isn't she? That's right. Yeah, so I gathered from her talk about that ring. She kind of got on my nerves last night. She's too calm and she's too bossy. Well, Daisy can be a bit trying. Yes, yeah, so and Marcella, million dollars worth of looks and quarters worth of brains. Yeah, she'd be hard to take as a steady diet. Now, really, Casey, Lister I... Lister was hard to take and Thompson and Bert Fallon, but all these people had fastened onto you like leeches. What are you driving at? Just here? this. You saw a chance to get rid of all of them in one sweep last night and you took it. You got Daisy's diamond, you planted it to frame Marcel, you killed Fallon, and then Blister so you could be free. How will you prove this idea of yours? The cops will prove it when I sell them off. You haven't done that yet. No. i wanted just bring it on you first and see how you'd react. Your face has told me that my theory is good. What does this reaction tell you? I thought the cops impounded that gun you killed Blister with. They did. This is another no one else will realize the motive for what I did. I didn't kill for profit or because of hatred. I simply had to be free to the friends who were wrecking my life. They were driving me mad. I was too weak, too cowardly to send them away. Now you threaten my freedom, so I must kill again Oh no I... you don't. Get you broke out his gun, Sergeant. Get the cuffs on him. Get.
6: All done, Captain. Uh,
3: Logan, Good I bad. was beginning to think you'd make your play just a little too late. You you policemen were hiding it.
5: We let ourselves in here while you were visiting Marcel at the jail. Casey, you said
3: you hadn't told anyone. will never trust the newspaper guy, Andre. We're terrible liars.
1: We'll join the crowd at the Blue Note in just a moment. One week from tonight, when we join you on the air, it'll be Christmas. But there are still five shopping days ahead. And if you put off any of your Christmas shopping until this last hectic week, here's a very simple solution. Between now and Christmas, your favorite chain store, department store, and other stores selling Chinaware and glass will be featuring the amazing new anchor glass heat-proof dinnerware known as Jadeite. And that's spelled J-A-D-E-I-T-E. Jadeite. Now, Jadeite has the beauty of fine Chinese porcelain. It has the color of oriental jade yet it's as sturdy as the Fire King oven glass you use for baking. And jadeite prices will be particularly easy on your Christmas budget. For instance, a complete 35-piece service for six costs less than $5. And jadeite in open stock is unbelievably low in cost. So be sure to ask for jadeite by name. Jadeite, the newest triumph of Anchor Hawking. The most famous name. In glass.
2: I gave you your notion about Higgins, Casey?
3: You sure did, Albert. When you said everybody would
2: like to kill pests. Yeah, but nobody does kill them. They just say they'd like to... There's always the exceptional person
4: A fact, naturally, only realized by an exceptional person like uh Miss Casey
3: <laughs> Exactly, Miss Williams, and thank you, Miss Williams
4: You're welcome Well, anyway,
3: when I, when I started to think seriously Of pest extermination as a motive The parts that hadn't
2: fit fell right into place There's two parts that don't fit for me yeah, what's that? Higgins killed Fallon Framed Marcel for the murder and robbery And then shot Blister Hoagland to make the frame stick but three pest she figured out of his way, but he wanted to be rid of two more, Thompson and Daisy.
4: Well, Marcel was the attraction that made Thompson hang around Higgins' place. Once she was removed, he'd be removed.
3: And Daisy was intensely superstitious. She'd never risk her luck around Higgins again.
2: Oh. I don't approve of Higgins' methods, Casey, but I got sympathy for his feelings. Oh, how I'd like to make a clean sweep of a lot of piss.
4: Good night, Ethelbert.
2: Yeah. Oh, good night, great. <laughs>
1: Prime Photographer, starring Scott Cotsworth as Casey, is brought to you each Thursday by the Anchor Hawking Glass Corporation, makers of Fire King Oven Glass, Anchor Glass Containers, Anchor Cats and Closures, all products of Anchor Hawking, the most famous name in glass. <laughs> The photographer is directed by John D The original music is by Archie Blyer, and the program features Miss Jan Miner as Anne and John Gibson as Ethelbert. Herman Chittison is the blue note pianist. Salvation Army kettles are here. Help bring the other million a bit of Christmas cheer. Let's make this Christmas a happy one for our American kids by dropping a coin in a Salvation Army Christmas kettle. <laughs> This is Tony Marvin saying good night for the Anchor Hawking Glass Corporation of Lancaster, Ohio, with offices in all principal cities of the United States and Canada. This is CBS Columbia
6: Broadcasting System. Kraft
9: presents The Great Gildersleeve. <laughs> yeah. The Kraft Cheese Company, makers of parquet margarine and a complete line of famous quality food products, presents Harold Perry as The Great Gildersleeve. Craft brings you The Great Sleeve every week at this time, written by John Whedon and Sam Moore, with music by Claude Sweeten. We'll hear from The Great Gildersleeve in just a moment. First, a special message. This summer, four million emergency workers are urgently needed on American farms. You can help by devoting your spare time and energies to the task of cultivating and harvesting these vital crops. Plan now to be a Victory Farm volunteer. And now, here's good advice to everyone who's working extra hard these days. Help replenish some of that energy you use up each day by spreading delicious parquet margarine on bread, toast, rolls, and crackers. Parquet, you know, is one of the very best energy foods you can eat. And it's fortified by Kraft so that every pound contains 9,000 units of important vitamin A. So for delicious, satisfying flavor, and for good nutrition, too, serve parquet at every meal. Tomorrow, ask your dealer for parquet, P-A-R-K-A-Y, parquet margarine made by Kraft. And now, the Great Gildersleeve. The curfew tolls the knell of parting day. The lowing herd winds slowly o'er the lee. The water commissioner homeward plods his weary way. And leaves the world to
10: darkness and to me. Wonder what's for dinner. Tired tonight. Tired but happy. Grass needs cutting. Oh, well, perhaps I can interest Leroy in the problem. Anybody home?
8: Hello, Anki.
10: Oh, I didn't see you there, my dear.
8: How'd it go today?
10: Oh, pretty well. My secretary's back. Bessie? Yeah, Bessie's back.
8: Well, how come? Tell me about it.
10: Just hang my hat here and I'll be right in. She didn't get married? No, her boyfriend walked out on her. Terrible thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You were home. Good evening, Bertie.
7: I'll have your dinner ready in just a few minutes. Now, don't you worry.
10: Well, who's worried? Did I say anything about dinner? I'm in no rush.
7: No, sir, but I know when you get home, you like your dinner.
10: E God, you think I never thought about anything but eating. What are we having, Bertie? <laughs>
7: <laughs> well, sir, there's a war on.
10: All right, don't tell me.
7: But I think you're going to like it.
10: Any mail come today, my dear? I don't know. Bertie, any mail today?
7: Yes, sir. there's a package came for you. It's up there on the mail.
10: Why doesn't somebody tell me these things? Package, eh? Hi, huh? Oh, hello, Leroy.
0: <laughs> What's the package? I don't know. What's in it?
10: I don't know. I'm just unwrapping it. Who's it for? It's not for you.
0: Well, who's it from? You look on the outside there. It usually tells.
10: Will you keep your hands off of it? Okay. The package was addressed to me.
0: I just thought you might like to know who it was from, that's all.
10: That we will find out all in good time. <laughs> well.
8: What is it, Uncle Mort?
10: A book. Nuts. You... What do you mean by that?
8: Nothing. I just thought it might be something, that's all. What is the book, Uncle?
10: Well, it's something I subscribe to The Book of the Century Club. This is the first one they've sent me.
8: Who got you into that?
10: Nobody got me into it. (laughs) It was recommended to me by your principal, Miss Goodwin. Recommended very highly, in fact.
8: What's the name of the book, Uncle? You haven't told us that.
10: Well, let's see here. It's called America What? sounds very interesting.
8: Yeah. What's it about?
10: Well, it says underneath here, Civilization at the Crossroads.
8: Boy, I can hardly wait. Can I read it next, Dunk?
10: Wouldn't hurt you to do a little reading, Smarty, instead of listening to those radio programs.
8: Aren't you right?
10: You too, my dear. Wouldn't do you any harm either.
8: I read all the time.
10: Yeah, movie magazines.
8: Well, I haven't seen you read a book in five years.
10: Well, I've been busy. I'm going to start tonight.
8: Excuse me, dinner. chow, Uncle.
10: You're right ahead, children. I'll be right in. Leroy, <laughs> hey, you don't have to
8: check her first.
10: Eh? America What? By Lloyd Q. Smith. Very interesting. Hmm. 319 pages. Oh. Please? Yes, you can take it, Bertie. Just leave my coffee, will you?
7: Miss Gilsey, have you gone place tonight?
10: No, Bertie. Just planning to spend the evening at home with a good book. Why?
7: I wondered if it would be all right if I go to the movies tonight with Lily B. Seems like I ain't seen a movie since Romance on the Rancho.
10: Go ahead, Bertie. Uh, but what was Romance on the Rancho?
7: <laughs> oh, it was just a picture. It had that Jack Dunlap in it. He kills me, that man.
10: Oh? Who's Jack Dunlap?
8: Never heard of Jack Dunlap. I bet Miss Marjorie knows it Sure, he's married to Linda Delacarte
10: Who's Linda Delacourt?
8: A starlet They split up for a while But now they're back together He gave her a diamond collar for her Scotty
10: yes. <laughs> <laughs> You see what I mean, Marjorie If you spent more time reading worthwhile books Instead of all that movie stuff Everybody ought to do more reading You too, Bertie Seems
7: like I don't get much time for reading somehow
10: Anybody can get time if they make time now, I'm a busy man, but I'm going to spend the whole evening reading a book. I expect to enjoy it, too.
7: Yes, sir. Well, if it's all the same to you, I'll take my enjoyment at the movies.
10: All right, Bertie, go ahead. Goodness knows you've earned it. Let's go in the other room, shall we, Marjorie?
8: Okay.
10: Yes, yes. Let's see. Where did I... Leroy, are you reading my book?
8: Are you kidding?
10: <laughs> well, get up out of my chair. Doorbell, Bertie.
0: I'm
10: coming. She's coming. <laughs> oh, good
0: evening, Judge. Good evening, Bertie. Is Mr. Gildy? Yes, I He's right in
10: there. Hello, Judge. Come in.
0: Well, well, little family gathering. Hello, Marjorie. Leroy. Hi. Hello, Judge. Get your hat on, Gildy. We're going down to the Jolly Boys Club.
10: Not tonight, Horace.
0: Oh, you got to. I just found out this morning it's Peavy's birthday.
10: Yeah? Well, what do you know?
0: Yeah, I called up four or five of the boys, and we're going to get him down there and give him a little surprise party. It'll be more darn fun.
11: Gosh, I'd like to. Oh, come on.
0: He can't. He's got to do his homework. What's that? (laughs) (laughs) Miss Goodwin, assigned him a book. He's got to read it and give a report.
10: Leroy, that's not true. I'd go if I wanted to, only I don't want to.
0: What's this about a book?
10: Well, is there anything so strange about it? I plan to spend the evening here with a book. Alone? Certainly.
0: Doesn't sound like you. Must be a fascinating book. <laughs> what is it?
10: Well, I've got it right here. It's called America What?
0: America What?
10: That's it. America What? Who wrote it? Uh, let's see. Lloyd Q. Smith. Who's
0: Lloyd Q. Smith?
10: Well, he's a writer. He's important. (laughs) How do you know? Because this company only publishes important books. It's the Book of the Century Club.
0: The Book of the Century Club. What does it do, publish one book every hundred years?
10: (laughs) All right, it's a mighty good book, and I intend to read it.
0: Well, if you get tired of the book club, drop in at the Jolly Boys.
10: I have better things to do, Judge. Good
0: night, Marjorie. Good night, Leroy.
8: Good night.
0: Say good night to your uncle for me. Bookworm.
10: Go on, you illiterate old goat (laughs) Well, there are no more interruptions I may be able to get a little reading done (laughs) Just get settled here What are you reading there, my boy?
8: Huckleberry Finn
10: Well, that's a good book Why don't you read something, Marjorie?
8: I may later. I'm writing
10: a letter now. Yes, nothing like reading. wonder if you'd mind getting me a couple of cigars, my dear, over there in the humidor. Always like to have them handy when I read. Leroy, would you be good enough to shove that footstool under my feet? Oh, what's that? Never mind. I'll do it.
0: I'm going down, Mr. Gil, All right,
10: Bertie. Have a good time. Uh, Bertie? Yes, sir? I wonder if you have any apples out there. Might like an apple later to munch while I read. Relieves the monotony sometimes to have something to chew on.
7: I'm
10: sorry, Mr. Gildersleeve, ain't Apple in the house. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Well, let it go. Good night, Bertie. Good
6: night,
10: sir. (laughs) Kind of friendly and nice, isn't it? Everybody reading here and writing letters. Leroy, your uncle spoke to you. Uh, What's that? I said it's kind of friendly and nice here with everybody reading.
8: How can I read with you talking to me all the time?
10: (laughs) Excuse me. Hmm. Well see what the book says here. <laughs> Who are you writing to, Marjorie? Aunt Hilda. Oh? Good girl.
8: I've owed her a letter for about three months.
10: Give her my love. You know, the thing about reading
8: Oh,
6: for course sake, to gonna...
12: <laughs>
10: What's the matter with him?
8: He gets like that.
10: Hmm. Well, what I was going to say. You spend all your time running around and seeing people you call your friends. But books are your best friends if you only knew it. Yes, sir. I remember an old professor of mine at college saying to me, Professor Griswold, he taught me English literature. Old Grizzly, we used to call him. (laughs) Old Grizzly. Ah, George, I haven't thought of him in a long time. Grand old fellow and a great teacher. All the students loved him and looked up to him. I was a sort of a pet of his (laughs) He used to invite me over in the evening sometimes And we'd sit there in his study in front of the fire And discuss good books I remember him saying to me one time Gildersleeve, he said Marjorie, where are you going?
8: Well, if you'll excuse me, Uncle Mort I think I'll go upstairs I've been trying for months to get this letter written So if you don't mind Not at all,
10: go right ahead
8: I'd love to hear about your professor Sometime
10: Yes, yes, go along Seems I'm not very popular around here. Well, Griswold was right. Books are a man's best friend. At least they don't run out on you. Well, let's have a look at this one, see what the fellow says. Here we are, Chapter 1. The 20th century will one day be known as the century of communication. And it's from this point of view that I wish to make a brief survey of world events of the last 50 years. In Europe, the tensions and anxieties of the 90s had erupted into flames. In Asia, the Japanese Empire still slumbered unaware of its tragic destiny. And in America, what? (laughs) Well, he's got something there. But what is it? I might just read it again. Griswold used to say, always read for the sense. Don't just look at the words. <laughs> Good old prof. <laughs> yes, uh, those were the days.
6: <laughs>
10: those were the days. <sighs> well, try this again. The 20th century will one day be known as the century of communication. I follow it so far. At least for this point of view... Oh, I wish to make a brief survey of world events of the last 50 years.
9: If I may interrupt for a moment, we don't want to wake Mr. Gildersleeve, but we would like to bring you now a message of some importance from our sponsor, the Kraft Cheese Company. The next time you homemakers leaf through your favorite magazines, notice especially the large number of recipes and menus that call for fortified margarine. No doubt you'll want to try some of these recipes and menus soon. And Kraft's Parquet is the fortified margarine you'll surely want to use. Because Parquet's flavor is so fresh and delicate, its texture so smooth for easy spreading and for blending with other foods. Parquet is a favorite with women everywhere, preferred by millions to any other brand. And remember, every single pound of Parquet is fortified with 9,000 units of important vitamin A. It's also tops in food energy, so buy Parquet soon. See if your family, too, doesn't prefer this delicious Kraft quality spread to any other brand. Ask for Parquet, P-A-R-K-A-Y, Parquet margarine made by Kraft. Well, Gildersleeve has fallen a victim to the Sandman. A happy smile makes a dimple on each pudgy cheek. He must be dreaming.
10: Finest <laughs> 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 uh, college in the good old USA. Oh, he's dreaming of his alma mater.
8: Hi, Throckmorton. Oh. Hi, Charlene. You want to sit next to me? Do
10: I want to sit next to the queen of the campus? I sure do.
7: (laughs) (laughs) This morning, students, we shall begin to consider the most fruitful period of our poet's career when Keats began to pluck with his magic fingers the same inspired lyre which Homer, Milton, and Dante had plucked centuries before.
10: Hey, Charlene. (laughs) What are you doing tonight?
7: Anything you say, Trot Morton. What is more gentle than a wind in summer? What is more soothing than the pretty hummer that stays one moment in an open is that flower? Is there a
10: having a weenie roast tonight? You want we'll to
7: go? It doesn't sound Pick you
10: up right flower. after supper. <clears throat>
7: now we ask ourselves, <laughs> <laughs> what is the poet's meaning in the passage we have just heard? Mr. Gildersleeve, can you tell us?
10: Uh, me?
7: You're the only Gildersleeve in this class, are you not?
10: Well, I'd want to. Yes, sir. Hmm. Well, then,
7: give us your notion of the poet's meaning in this passage. Um, was it, uh, something about life? Uh, Mr. Gildersleeve, I would like to see you in my study at 8 o'clock this evening.
10: Yes,
6: sir. <laughs>
7: Mr. Gildersleeve, I regret that I have found it necessary to send for you. The fact is, however, that your work in my class thus far would be a disgrace to a sophomore in high school. But, Professor. Your knowledge of English literature is infinitesimal. Your appreciation of poetry is microscopic. In addition, you're inattentive and your spelling is atrocious. Professor. Unless you can show a marked improvement in your work, I shall be compelled to place you on prohibition.
10: probation. Probation? That would mean I'd have to resign as assistant manager of the golf team. I'm sorry, Mr. Gildersleeve. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that's the way it
6: is. <laughs> what you for?
10: <call>? Zerp? <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> uh, must have dropped off there for a minute. Where's... Oh, yes. I was reading. <laughs> book. Yes, yes. The 20th century will one day be known as the century of communication. By George, that's a good thought. Deep, but good.
6: Ooh, ooh,
10: kind of stuffy in here. Maybe I ought to get a little air. I'll just...
8: Oh, pfft.
10: Foot's gone to sleep. <laughs> Pins and needles. you. <laughs> Something. Oh, no, Marjorie. I was just thinking out loud. I believe I'll go for a little walk. Oh?
8: All finished reading?
10: Well, just for the moment. Big mistake to read too much at one time, my dear. Read a little, then reflect. Read and reflect. That's what my old professor used to say. Old Prof. Griswold. Griswold. Dried up old fossil. <laughs> The air is nice tonight. Ooh, nice moon too. <laughs> the jolly boys. By <laughs> George, that's a terrible quartet. Hooker's always flat. <laughs> Yes, sir. They really need me. Maybe I ought to just... No, I'll get back to my book. Hey, that moon. I wonder what Eve Goodwin is doing. Might be good to get her slant on the book. <laughs>
8: Morton, what a surprise! Won't you come in?
10: Well, for a minute. Guess what I've been doing. Come Eve? into
8: the parlor and see how you like it. I've changed everything around.
10: Looks fine, Eve. Uh, what do you think I've been doing? I've
8: got the sofa where the table used to be, and of course that meant moving these chairs to face the other way. I think it's much nicer, don't you?
10: Great. What
8: do you think? Rock I... Morton. I wonder if you could do me one favor.
10: Oh, nuts. <laughs> Uh, sure. What is it?
8: I'm just dying to know how the piano would look over here against the wall.
10: The piano?
8: It's only an upright, but it simply won't budge for me.
10: Well, let a man try it. <laughs> <laughs> you sure it isn't nailed down?
6: Oh, no. The
10: darn thing must be solid lead. There. Now she's coming.
8: Oh, careful, Throckmorton. Oh, there, that's just the place. Uh, How do you think it looks? Perfect. I'm not so sure. (laughs) But uh, let's sit down for a minute anyway, shall we?
10: Eve, Hmm? guess what I've been doing. What? I've been reading. Oh, really? Yeah, I've been reading a book.
8: I'm afraid the piano isn't right there.
10: Forget the piano. Ye gods, I tell you I'm reading a book.
8: Well, it's nothing to get hysterical about. What are you reading?
10: The latest book of the century selection. America what?
8: Oh, are you reading that too?
10: That's what I've been trying to tell you.
8: My copy came yesterday morning and I finished it last night. I just couldn't lay it down. Could you?
10: Well, it slipped out of my hand once. (laughs) I, uh, haven't quite finished it.
8: Oh, well, you'll enjoy it, Throckmorton. Oh,
10: I am already. I got quite a ways into it. And then I thought maybe it would be fun to, well, discuss the fellow's idea a little.
8: Uh, Which ones?
10: Oh, uh, on,
8: uh, life. Well, he has some very fascinating ideas on life. Uh, Did you come to the chapter on the woman of tomorrow?
10: No, but it sounds good. Let's discuss that.
8: I must warn you, his ideas on women are quite advanced.
10: Oh, you can't scare me. So are mine. (laughs) Uh, Look, Eve, there's a wonderful moon out tonight. Why don't we discuss this book out on the back porch?
8: No, Throckmorton. (laughs)
10: Oh, come on, Eve. I thought you were crazy about books.
8: I am. Books mean a great deal to me.
10: Then why don't we go out on the porch? Gosh, it's your fault I got into this thing. I mean, it was your idea for me to join the club. Now, you've got me all excited about this book, and you won't even discuss it.
8: I'm perfectly willing to discuss it, Throckmorton. What is it about the book that you find most interesting?
10: Well, the whole idea. America... What?
8: Uh, Do you think Smith's ideas are right? Do you agree with what he says about America?
10: Well, I. uh, uh, Yes and no.
8: How much of the book have you read, Throckmorton? (laughs) Half.
10: What do you mean by that?
8: Do you think you've read half of it?
10: Well, maybe not half.
8: A chapter? A page?
10: It's none of your
8: business. (laughs) I don't see
10: what there is to laugh at.
8: I'm sorry, I can't help.
10: Well, I'm going home. A man comes over for a little intelligent conversation, (laughs) and first he has to move pianos, then he gets a regular examination. Ye gods! Look who's coming.
0: Gildersleeve. Yeah. I thought he was going to read this
10: evening. Hello, Hello, Hello Hi. Hi. I can't stay, gentlemen. I just dropped in to wish Peavy many happy returns of the day. Yeah, thank you, Mr. Gildersleeve. I... <laughs> I wish you'd have a
11: coke with me before you go. Sure, Commissioner. Have a coke with the birthday boy. <laughs>
12: well, just one. Thank you, Chief. How old are you, anyway, Peavy? Well, we were just having an argument about that, Mr. Gildersleeve. The judge claims Peavy is 90 years old. I claim he's at least 108. <laughs>
6: you know,
11: fellas have been joshing me all evening, Mr. Gillespie.
6: I wish you could have been here
11: earlier to hear some of the humorous conversation. <laughs> well, here's your coke, Commissioner. Thanks, Chief. Happy days, Peavy. Thank you. I might just venture to repeat a remark Floyd made a short while ago. It struck me as very funny. Oh, for heaven's sake, Peavy. Let him tell it, Judge. It's his birthday. What was Floyd's witty remark, Petey? Well, he was drinking my health, and he said, here's to you and your drugstore. May all your troubles be aspirin tablets. (laughs) The point being that aspirin tablets are
10: small. Oh, brother. (laughs) (laughs) Don't tell me Floyd's been getting off stuff like that all evening. (laughs) Yes, sir, he has. How's it happen we got the pleasure of your company,
12: Commissioner? Judge Hooker said you were curled around a good book for the night.
0: Yeah, what happened, Gildy? Did you find your brain was a little out of practice in digesting heavy thinking?
10: Nothing of the kind, Judge. I simply interrupted my reading to pay my respects to my old friend Peavy here. I appreciate it, Mr. Gildersleeve.
11: Uh, what was the book, if I may inquire?
10: Yeah, what were you reading, Commissioner? A cookbook? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I was reading the current selection of the book of the Century Club, Floyd. It's about politics. Oh? It's for the Democrats or the Republicans? Neither. It's about oh, world affairs. Very interesting. Oh. World affairs. Good subject. Yes, you'd enjoy it, Peavy. I'll lend it to you when I finished it sooner if you want. Yeah, Look, I, fellas, uh, world
11: affairs is a mighty important subject, but aren't we going to play any cards tonight?
10: Yeah, let's get down to business here. The trouble with you, Floyd, and you too, Chief, is you don't bother to inform yourselves on world developments. Who don't? In my barbershop, I hear six commentators every day. That's
0: not what Gildersleeve's talking about, boys. Gildersleeve is now a deep
10: Think Listen, Hooker, I consider my brain the equal of yours any day.
0: Gildersleeve, I resent that. Hello, Hello.
10: Oh. Are we going to squabble on
11: Peavy's birthday? Yeah, about a lousy book. Well, he started it. Now, Commissioner... I-, I wonder if a song wouldn't clear the air, gentlemen. I have a suggestion. There
12: is a tavern in the town. <laughs> no, 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 no Peavy. Look, I got the song. Just the song for your birthday... Darling,
10: I am growing old. (laughs) Yeah, that's it, that's it. Uh, Only let the commissioner sing the lead, huh? Come on, Mr. Gildersleeve. All right. And Hooker, for heaven's sake, try to stay on the key. Let's have the key, Floyd. Darling, Darling, I am. Not so bad. Well, get on with your poker game, boys. I guess I'll get back to my book. Good night, Peavy. Uh, just one round, Mr. Gillespie. Well, seeing it's your birthday. <laughs> Deal me in, Floyd. Okay. Good night, America. What?
9: program was directed by Claude Sweeten. This is Vern Smith speaking for the Kraft Cheese Company, makers of parquet margarine and a complete line of famous quality food products. Kraft invites you to listen in again next week for the further adventures of The Great Gildersleeve.
12: Good Cooks, Not only know the ABCs of cooking, they also know their Zs. The Zs stand for Zip, Zing, Zest. The kind of lip-smacking results you get when you perk up foods with tangy, golden Kraft salad mustard. It's creamy, smooth, delicately spiced. Can be used in all sorts of tempting ways. For extra Zip, add Kraft salad mustard to an appetizing cream sauce for hot-cooked vegetables or leftover meats. For extra Zing, blend Kraft salad mustard into tasty sandwich spreads. For extra zest, add tangy craft salad mustard to French dressings, gravies, pickle relish, and barbecue sauce. So put extra zip, zing, zest into your meals. Buy craft salad mustard. Also try this other popular variety, craft mustard with nippy horseradish added. Remember to ask for craft quality mustards.